Welcome to ASME Tech Caps, where we bring you the innovators, the innovations, and the issues that push the envelope of engineering. I'm Carlos Gonzalez, Special Projects Manager at Mechanical Engineering Magazine. Today's episode is sponsored by Zometry. Zometry is a leading AI-enabled digital marketplace for on-demand manufacturing. Zometry's unique marketplace enables buyers to source on-demand manufactured parts and assemblies efficiently. Customers can choose between CNC machining, 3D printing, injection molding, sheet metal fabrication, and more for their part creation needs. Today, we are speaking with Greg Paulson, Director of Application Engineering on how digital manufacturing as a service is bringing the manufacturing industry online and providing manufacturers a depth of manufacturing processes, supply chain stability, and production flexibility. Greg, hello, and welcome to the podcast today. Hey, Carlos. Great to be here. Awesome. So... For those that may not be familiar with Zometry, can you give them an uh, introduction to your organization and what services you offer? Yeah, so uh, Zometry, uh, spelled with an X, uh, is the uh, largest global on-demand manufacturing marketplace out there. And what does that mean to you? Well, it's a, it's a way to get parts, and we actually use uh, artificial intelligence and allow you to upload 3D technical data to our site, get instant pricing and lead times over about a dozen different manufacturing processes. But the real superpower of Zometry is using this AI along the whole supply chain. We're connected with thousands of, thousands of manufacturers globally, uh, about 3,000 in the United States, over 2,000 uh, spanning across Europe as well as Asia. And we're able to essentially matchmake without you doing all this searching back and forth, trying to find a, find a supplier and find the person who does this project just perfect in a sweet spot. We use AI machine learning and talented supply chains to actually make that match instantaneously and uh, get work on demand. So for a lot of our customers who are looking for parts made, this is procurement, this is engineers, these are designers, uh, even independent inventors, uh, for us, it's almost an Amazon of buying parts. You kind of upload, get pricing, configure, and buy. And for our manufacturing suppliers that we're connected to, we vetted out, it's work on demand for them. So it's almost like more of a like Airbnb, Uber, Lyft strategy, and it's taking that into this manufacturing realm. And obviously, I mean, I think, you, I think that's a great comparison to compare digital manufacturing as a service to Uber or, you know, DoorDash or even, you know, like these online platforms where services are on demand um, and taking that and applying that to manufacturing. Being a digital manufacturer, where, where, are, where are we today in this sort of process? Is it seamless? Is it advanced? How has it changed, especially you know, in the light of the last year where so many people have gone into the digital realm because of the pandemic, um, has it grown? Where are we today? Oh, absolutely. So the, the technology has uh, really been matured in Zometry where we're over seven years old. Um, we, were, we were founded and we've always had this aim at putting technology right at the forefront of um, you know this problem that you have with procurement and, and sourcing custom parts and working both sides of the supply chain from the customer and supplier side. 
uh, we've uh, been well advanced. In fact, actually, I think my fourth year in exometry, I remember going to a AI machine learning conference about manufacturing, and they're like, one day we'll be able to use AI to price parts out. And I was like, we've been doing this for four and a half years, and you know, been doing this fairly successfully. So it's kind of showing like we are, we're what we're the technology we're using is is definitely state of the industry. But to your point, last year was really uh, that proving ground where uh, we definitely have had adopters and we've grown a, a customer base of tens of thousands. Uh, but there were uh, people who needed parts made and their suppliers were just down for the count. And that had to do not just with the supplier, but also the state or governance regulations, um, you know, uh, flights being canceled, shipping delays, you, you name it. Uh, so it wasn't always in the supplier's hand why they couldn't make parts. Um, uh, and they found Zometry because our distributed manufacturing platform allowed us to seamlessly adapt uh, to disruptions in supply chain. So what happens when you order through Zometry is we provide pricing and lead time. This isn't a bid war. We're actually providing pricing and lead time based off this machine learned data. And that's the price you pay. When you, when you order, it'll then go out to our manufacturing network. And that network is geographically dispersed. So say you are getting domestic manufacturing, that's everywhere from coast to coast. Uh, and if there is a statewide disruption in one location, uh, those manufacturers just simply, they, they make a choice and they're like, yeah, I'm not gonna take the job because I can't get to my shop today. Uh, but, the, the, but there's manufacturers, you know, there could be manufacturers in Utah or somewhere in uh, Washington state or down in Texas that are perfectly happy to take on that work and they're qualified to do that work. It's a great fit. And they're able to say, yep, boom, take it. So from our customer side, supply chain was just order from Zometry. There was no call disruption saying, hey, you know, when do you need it by that sort of thing. It was just, it was a click and go experience and it really moved dynamically. Uh, I did want to note also for our manufacturers, they had the same problem with their customers. Entire states of customers just disappeared off the face of the earth uh, um, in getting access to those, those customers. And because we had this marketplace and we had one storefront, the zometry.com site, where these orders are coming through, uh, we also became a reliable source of income when those uh, manufacturers were able to get back online, get back to their shop, and are ready to get some work and parts made. I mean, I could only imagine the influx of customers left and right from both sides, right? From the creation point, from the demand point, from the supply point that probably you guys experienced in the last year and change. Um, and in that vein, let's talk about the customer experience. Let's highlight maybe that journey. And so I'm assuming, right, you guys probably had quite a bunch of, quite a handful of new customers that came on board, that wanted to experience the digital manufacturing journey. Can you describe what those steps are? Is it a lot of back and forth of communication with them or is it a completely digital hands-free experience? How does a customer, you know, new to this journey get started? Mm -hmm. And I always like to say with our customers, you can work with us as much or as little as you'd like because we have so much automated uh, in our system. Uh, so. The core instant quoting engine can take a variety of 3D models. And for our instant quoting engine, that's kind of the, the minimum to enter, is having a 3D model that you could upload. And this could be a native solid part file. Or this could be an inventor file like IPT. Uh, step, I always call step the 
PDF of 3D files because it's just useful everywhere you go. Uh, and also different mesh formats available. And you could upload these this file and a few things happen in a matter of seconds. So the geometry of that file is actually being interpreted in real time. Uh, it's pointing out key characteristics that our machine learning is touching on. And it's actually looking at the geometry itself and trying to make a guess saying, you know, most of the time when I see a geometry like this, it's ordered in injection molding, or it's ordered in this form of 3D printing, or it's a CNC machine part. And so when you see your instant quote, it tries to already save you a click. So if this is a CNC machine part, it usually will default to a CNC process, usually our most commoditized material like aluminum 6061, and you're able to go through change quantities, uh, add features like tapped holes, inspection requirements, certifications, even ITAR. Uh, if you're you know, someone that has export control or defense requirement, uh, is a checkbox away and truly configure your part and you'll see your pricing lead time update and, and press go. Um, if you need help, as soon as you create a quote or as soon as you interact with Zometry, everybody at Zometry, every customer does have a de dedicated uh, sales contact. Uh, so you can have the human in the loop and you definitely can work with your sales lead. Uh, we could bring up some of our team members. Uh, so for example, myself, I've, uh, I have extensive experience in advanced manufacturing technologies, uh, including you know, well over a dozen additive manufacturing techniques as well as molding, casting, uh, basically plastic stuff is my, is my forte, if you will. And, uh, and you could bring us into the loop and our sales leads can help work with those customers too. So sometimes there is a help me choose environment where we're, ha we're very happy to work with those customers. And you'll find that some of those people who have been buyers who all of a sudden turned into sourcing procurement at, at, uh, at the click of the shutdown all had those questions, right? And we were able to work with them. Uh, but if you're a designer engineer and you already know what you want, you could just use the automated portion of the site and, uh, and work through and, and go through checkout like it's an e-commerce experience. I mean, I think for a lot of people, right, that seems like a very familiar experience nowadays. It almost feels like buying on Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, what in, but in that journey, I guess, what are some of the hurdles that maybe a traditional manufacturing customer may experience? What are some of their questions as they kind of try to approach this digital aspect of manufacturing? Well, absolutely. Uh, we have a single storefront for so many different technologies, and they're used and very different ways sometimes, especially when you look at rapid prototyping technologies versus production viable technologies. The cost drivers may be different. Uh, for example, injection molding does require a tool in order to mold parts. And that's you know, a major cost driver, especially if you're looking for low quantities where 3D printing on demand may not be able to hit you know, the thousands and tens of thousands quantities, uh, but does not require tools. So it's a you know, much uh, lower barrier to entry when it comes to you know, cost and lead time. Uh, those those moments, uh, one of the things that we've added to Zometry is just a variety of resources to help our customers out. Uh, we do have uh, live tools like working with your sales rep, uh, live chat, a, a great interactive FAQ on our site, but we also have things like design guides and uh, some really robust capabilities pages outlining our different manufacturing technologies to help you understand where the fit could be for that and even some design considerations like if you look at our, our design guides that you could download uh, for free you could see how to best design for things like metal 3d printing or for selective laser centering uh, 3d printing and that's you know really really useful for those customers 
Um, I will. I will also say this. You know, sometimes there is the uh, um, there's the design where it's like, hey, I have a design. You know, I'm dangerous enough to design, right? And uh, and I'm able to upload, but I want to get to scale. And we saw a lot of that, especially in the you know the last 400 days here, uh, where where there were a lot of emergency use requirements when you talked about thought about PPE and other um, other medical devices, and they were able to get on the line and work, and we were able to work with them and talk about different material choices that may make the most sense for those, as well as different processes to help from the pro iterative prototype phase for functional prototypes up to where if this you know really kicks off and they need to scale how to move. Ultimately, a lot of times that'll be into moving into molding, uh, and that's when we were able to get our application engineers uh, and our technical sales engineers and really work with the customer of that matter. I mean, obviously, I'm a fan of this digital aspect of manufacturing. I think it adds a layer of flexibility. It adds a layer of customization that as, an, as, as a manufacturer or as a part assembly company, you probably need nowadays because customization is a big aspect of what people are asking for. Um, what are some of the significant advantages of digital manufacturing as a service? And you know, I, I just mentioned customization because that's the first thing that comes off of yeah. my head, but maybe I'm wrong. What are some of the major advantages that maybe your new customers are experiencing saying to themselves, oh, wow, I never thought I would get here with this type of process? Yeah, uh, definitely there's a lot of unreported hours spent searching for suppliers. And, uh, and then doing supply chain management post-order uh, that happens, uh, you know, not magically, but a lot of it's automated on our side, as well as we have some, you know, uh, really great team leads uh, working on this that is not a, a burden. And actually, we were talking to, I was talking to one of our sales leads recently about a customer who one of the best value adds they said for uh, that we have is like not only can we you know order on demand with you and get stuff like just in time inventory work for those rapid iterations of the prototypes, uh, but I'm you know I don't have the staff that I would t typically need. Like I'm I want to invent, I want to create, I want to design, and I don't necessarily have the staff to go and also do this whole supply chain management, including global supply chain. Uh, and we just made that very straightforward because of this digital experience. There's a lot that you can do with the digital realm. And it's the, the interesting thing is, you know, as you, even as you scale up, so that's a small, maybe a small business has, you know, one or two employees or, you know, a dozen employees and they just want them all to spend their level of effort on, you know, designing hours, not sourcing supply chain, you know, checking in when, what's as my order hours. Uh, but there's also in larger organizations, there's this need for consolidated supply chains as well, because as soon as the ERPs were invented, it made it so easy to just add a vendor, add a vendor, add a vendor. And 15 years later, like, wow, we have 20,000 vendors and we don't even know if they're all, um, all available at any given time. And anytime I need to update an NDA or approval form, I need to shoot out 20,000 emails and check on updates for it. Uh, so you'll also see in larger organizations, a lot of the supply chain strategy has gone from a vendor for everything to consolidating and downsizing that to reliable uh, suppliers. 
Yeah, I mean that access to not unlimited is not not but a, a surplus, a huge number yeah. of manufacturers. And I think you know one of the things that lessons learned right from the last uh, year was disruptions in the supply chain and having contingencies for disruption in the supply chain. So obviously being able to shift gears and choose different manufacturers, whether it be for just disruption or maybe because you want to try different process or you want to try different, you know, different vendors, see if you get a better quality or a different type of, a different type of um, timeline production wise. I mean, having that database of uh, manufacturers is very, very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And you're finding that there's, there's a, there's a blend going on. So there definitely is a push for onshoring, uh, providing more domestic supply chain uh, because we've had disruptions internationally. Uh, and that being said, sometimes you can't argue with the pricing that you get internationally if you, you know, based on your consumer and your, of your product. Uh, I think a lot of the adaptation for strategy is the why not both meme, uh, where you have, a, you have redundant suppliers that are ideally geographically dispersed and ideally are getting their raw materials from geographically dispersed suppliers. So there's not something further upstream that's causing the same delay on, on each supplier. And uh, that's becoming something that I think most uh, people who are working on critical goods and something with a you know, high revenue stream uh, are really strongly considering. And I think uh, companies like Zometry and distributed manufacturing is part of that solution. It definitely is because it's so adaptable uh, using essentially technology. Instead of uh, you know calling and brokering and seeing what's going on, we have just a, a technology-driven dispatch uh, system that helps us uh, work across continents and get, par get parts made. In terms of you know, processes and, and maybe discussing some of the trends that are going on today, um, and you had just mentioned onshoring, which is, you know, a, a huge drop in manufacturing right now. Is there any particular process that is pushing that agenda forward? Are we seeing more people, let's say, shift towards 3D printing to kind of facilitate onshoring? Are we seeing more injection molding combined with um, additive to also push that to push that agenda? Is is that what's happening? What would you say right now is the most industry forward process for manufacturing? Uh, what I think I've seen in the processes driving the industry forward are, it's actually been more about the increasing complexities uh, that okay. domestic manufacturing can really build. So I've certainly am seeing the power of additive manufacturing. And for the most part, additive does stay geographically local. Uh, U.S.-based customers are buying U.S.-based additive. European customers are buying European-based additive because it's just a strategic advantage from uh, lead time. Additive is quick by nature. Uh, ship, shipping, you know, it can be quick by nature. So oftentimes you can get parts shipped the next day or within a couple business days from that. Uh, so it's just very quick, rapid iteration of additive manufacturing. But I've even found highly complex CNC machining, um, sheet metals, uh, sheet metal weldments, um, cast, some cast work. Uh, has been really, uh, really good to keep domestic or in-source and utilize the talent base uh, within your nation uh, because there is the talent is there and we've, we've been able to make that connection. And that's always been the tough point. 
I think, I think that's, I mean, I'm a huge proponent for additive because I think you, like you just said, it, it's bringing everything local and, you know, the iterative nature of additive is always going to push design to a faster cycle. And I think to stay abreast or to stay on top of things today, you need to have that faster cycle. I definitely think that's where manufacturing is going. I really love that you're bringing up additive because as you know, I love additive. It's I live and breathe it and uh, sometimes breathe too much of it. Uh, but uh, And even like right behind me right now as we're talking, I'm just surrounded by additive components. Um, one of the coolest things that I've seen is that an additive component, it just becomes a skew. And I love it when additive just becomes a, a thing, when it gets a little boring, less less exciting. It's just more like, of course, that's an option. It's not like, ooh, should I experiment with additive? It's like, can I use this? And we're working on robotic assembly right now. It's a, you know for, for a great customer. And when you work with assemblies, it's a mixture of custom components, off-the-shelf components, uh, you know, electronic components that may come in. And I just love looking at our, our kitting shelf and you have this you know, little plastic bins of, of parts and it's like, you know, McMaster sprockets, screws over here, HP multi-jet fusion cases, and, uh, and then the other custom components that, that we're producing. And just seeing that, hey, that's just a part. It's just a part there and in my inventory is just really powerful. And what those customers were seeing is I don't need the tool up. If I have a rev change, so a lot of these things uh, are their additive parts are often hugging PCBs. They're hugging uh, electronic components. Sometimes the electronics can change, and all of a sudden, if you're if you're tooled up, you need to change your tool, and that could be very expensive. With additive, it's change your file, and it's going to print the, print it the next day. Uh, so seeing these components just naturally appear as just part of an assembly, part of a thing, is just really really exciting to me, as it's just becoming more and more normal uh, in the production. No, I, I totally agree. It's, but this is a good place to pause as we conclude episode one. Please stay tuned for episode two, where we'll be discussing some industry case studies on how digital manufacturing as a service has been implemented and some of their lessons learned and some of their journeys into this digital manufacturing world. But Greg, thanks for this episode of our podcast, and we'll, we'll be excited to talk to you on episode two. I'm Carlos Gonzalez. Thank you for listening to ASME TechCast. And thanks to our sponsor, Zometry, for today's episode. To learn more on how you can approach digital manufacturing, visit Zometry.com. That's X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com. You can find our other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or your favorite podcasting platform.